In the 17th century, he was born in Amsterdam, descended from Sephardic Jews who had fled persecution in Portugal and then reclaimed their Judaism in the more religiously tolerant Netherlands. Despite this, he was excommunicated from the Jewish faith in his early 20s for what was then termed his atheist views. Applying his lonely trade as a lens grinder, he instead developed his own rationalistic philosophy of God and existence. While his work wouldn't be published until after his death, his influence would grow, with the world still finding resonance today in the radical philosophy of Spinoza. The Dilettante, a Ferrochrome podcast. Born in Amsterdam in 1632 to immigrant parents originally from Portugal, Baruch Spinoza was raised in the enlightened city of Amsterdam, which allowed religious tolerance via the 1579 Union of Utrecht, which allowed personal freedom of religion. Spinoza's parents and grandparents had suffered in Portugal under forced conversion of Sephardic Jews to Catholicism and resumed the Jewish faith once resident in the Netherlands. When Spinoza entered his 20s, he took lessons in Latin from a former Jesuit and now radical Democrat Francis van den Enden, who was a devotee of rationalist philosopher René Descartes and an avowed atheist. It was this relationship which started Spinoza onto a reassessment of the nature of God and existence, which sharply diverged from the rabbinical teachings he had grown up with. By the time Spinoza turned 23, his views were deemed so heretical that he was excommunicated from the synagogue, which meant he was not to be spoken with by anyone from the Jewish community, including his family. He would then spend the next 21 years of his life devoted to developing his rationalist philosophy, building on the ideas of Descartes, and writing his major work entitled Ethica Ordine Geometrico Demonstrata, or more simply known as Ethics, which would become his most well-known work. He would support himself as a lens grinder, living a quiet and monastic life, although his avocation would prove his undoing as he died of lung illness, possibly brought on by silicosis from glass dust, a byproduct of his lens grinding work. In Ethics, Spinoza posited a type of universal monism, which stipulated that God was everything, and everything was one substance. Our perception of individuality is an illusion, as we are simply finite modes of that one substance. This can take a little while to understand what Spinoza means by God as one infinite substance. This is not the anthropomorphic God of the Torah, but more like the entirety of the universe, an indivisible whole of which we are simply a part. It's easy to see how this kind of radical thinking would have had him excommunicated and considered an atheist in 17th century Amsterdam. He was also going against his rationalist philosophical predecessor, René Descartes, who had postulated we were composed of a mind-body dualism, which were in perfect sync. In Spinoza's monist system, that duality of mind and body were simply attributes of mind and body he termed thought and extension, with which we perceived this one substance, God-universe, which had an infinite number of aspects 
but these were the only two we could perceive. A relationship with this type of God is not reached by faith, says Spinoza, but by the employment of reason. This is a sharp detour from mysticism into a rationalist metaphysical paradigm of God, which did not require your belief, as you are a mode inherent in its one substance, which constitutes everything. Moving God from being the prime mover or creator of the universe to actually being the universe, with us as modes of God's one substance, strongly suggests this is a conception of God radically different from anything previous. There is some thought that Spinoza used the term God as a possible placeholder for something harder to define and maybe as a way to avoid further criticism from religious authorities. Spinoza felt God was, quote, the sum of the natural and physical laws of the universe and certainly not an individual entity or creator. It also doesn't leave any room for individual free will, since in a monist universe there are no individuals, just modes of the one substance, who are finite and can only perceive the one substance through only two attributes. Confused? Reading Spinoza's ethics was not for the faint of heart, either then or now. While it's systematically argued, bit by bit, until one is exhausted into conceding the irrefutability of Spinoza's position, its radicalism doesn't make it a commonly known philosophy outside of academia, such as Descartes with his cogito ergo sum, I think, therefore I am, or Immanuel Kant with his categorical imperative, act only according to that maxim whereby you can, at the same time, with that it should become a universal law, which is sort of like the golden rule on steroids. With Spinoza, the takeaway isn't as succinct, although the concept is simple. Everything is one substance, and we are all modes of that substance. It puts a deterministic hammer down, shattering our perceived individualism with a Borg-like efficiency. You will be assimilated, or according to Spinoza, you already are, you just don't know it yet. In 1928, when questioned by Rabbi Herbert Goldstein whether he believed in God, Albert Einstein replied, I believe in Spinoza's God. Now in the 21st century, with existence as fractious and divided as ever, Spinoza's monism can give one that 10,000-foot view of life, where harming each other is really hurting ourselves. And that might be worth being excommunicated for. The Dilettante, part of the Fairchrome Podcast Network.